Hello, and welcome to Base Calls. Uh, I'm Henry. I'm joined here by Seb. Seb, how are we doing? I'm doing great, Henry. Uh, excited to talk about baseball, about opening weekend, and uh, and what's to come. Yeah, so obviously baseball is back. Opening weekend just happened. A lot of big takeaways, a lot of big games, big names. Uh, what's on your mind right now? Well, there's a lot of things that uh, that went down. Um, I guess one thing that's been on my mind is the difficulties of, of starting pitchers as a whole. Now, we've seen some good performances over the, the past few days with uh, opening weekend, but there's been a lot of starting pitchers that have struggled to go deep into games, letting up a lot of runs, and uh, I think it's pretty obvious that this is due to the shortened spring training. You know, hitters hitters don't have that much of a disadvantage. You know, they can take at-bats every day, but, you know, starting pitchers, you pitch one time in spring, you got to wait a few days to pitch again. So I think just, you know, they weren't able to get all their work in. So expect the first, you know, two to three starts from guys to not be that great. Um, that's not to say that everybody was bad, but just as a whole. Yeah, I know there were some struggles, obviously. I think Garrett Cole is like the best big name example. Probably the best pitcher in the AL got pretty pretty torched in his, in his first start. Overall, though, um, bullpens have looked pretty good. The league average ERA right now is 3.95, which is pretty solid, especially considering how you know much higher offense is right now. Uh, so, you know, I think we've seen a shift towards a lot of more uh, bullpen-reliant teams, and I still think there's obviously going to be teams like, I'm just trying to think of, like the 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 Braves, guys who have good rotations, like the, the Brewers, who are going to you know stick with that starters getting the most of the innings but I think with the success of teams like Rays we're probably going to see teams leaning heavier on their bullpen uh maybe even keeping less batters on their roster to, to try and get as many arms in the in the pen as they can yeah I mean that's the way that the the game has been shifting over these past I don't know how many years maybe the past decade or so and yeah I guess like I was saying before with the starting pitchers not going deep that's just more reason uh, for teams to rely on their bullpen, especially earlier on with the um, the larger roster size, teams are going to have more are probably going to opt to have an extra arm or two just to kind of save the rest of their bullpen so they can be fresh throughout the year. Yeah, I think you know when you're really looking at the the bad starts, uh, one team that really jumps out is the Brewers. Obviously, Corbin Burns wasn't terrible, but when you watch his first start, you know obviously. The rain and El Young. Uh, I think me, you both have him as the second best pitcher in baseball. Just not really like finding the zone the way he normally does. His cutter wasn't, you know, getting the zone. He wasn't getting those outside strikes. And I think again, that's just, you know, because of the the shortened spring training. They they don't have time to refine their stuff against major league batters. But I would not be particularly concerned. Obviously, a guy like Jose Brios got torn apart. Has like a 180 ERA because he failed to get more than one out. But again would not be stressing too much. Uh, it's really early in this season. I think most of these guys are going to figure their stuff out, hopefully by the end of the month. Yeah, I think just the, the Corbin Burns example pretty much sums it up. This guy was the best pitcher in the league last year. I mean, at least, you know, in my opinion, I, I'm sure you agree. Um, and, you know, if he's coming out and struggling out the gate, that kind of just shows, like, it doesn't matter who you are, whether, you know, you're a big name or not everybody's going to react differently. And, you know, once we get a month in, then I feel like we can start assessing these guys and their performances. 
Yeah, while we're on pitching, uh, pitch comms obviously have made their debut in the majors this week. What do you think about those? Personally, I I like the idea of pitch comm. I think it's a good way to to one speed up the game and two avoid sign stealing. You know, especially with the technology. You know, like the whole thing with the Astros. I think pretty much everybody knows about that, so I'm not really going to go into it. But you know, we don't want something like that to happen again, and so I like pitch comm in that way. I think it's not. The league hasn't exactly adjusted to it yet, and it could be refined. I know there's some issue with the, there have been issues with the audio and the pitchers not being able to hear. So, you know, they're gonna have to make sure that that is uh, consistent. One thing that I I don't know how I feel about it though is other players on the field having access to pitch com. You know, especially like a third baseman, for example. He's able to position, maybe, you know, the pitcher's going to throw a changeup. He's expecting a rollover down the line, and he's able to position himself better to anticipate that ball, and, and that's all good, but I think that does take away from defense to a certain extent. So in that sense, I don't really like it. I don't know how I feel about other players having it, but between the pitcher and the catcher, I, I have no problem. Yeah, I don't know. This is something we've seen, like, with football uh, in the last, you know, in recent years. They, they've really gotten into it in quarterbacks. Uh, certain other players in the offense, certain players in the defense will have mics that their coordinators will be talking to them with. And, and I think that, you know, one uh, just improves um, signal relays. Like, I think there's going to be much less confusion. And I think it can honestly, as much as, you know, the, the MLB has tried to improve pace of play by, like, minutes for really no reason, I do actually think this could help pace of play. I think another interesting part of it is certain teams talking about catchers or pitchers calling the pitches. So obviously I think, you know, catchers are mostly going to call pitches, but I think for teams with vet pitchers and maybe some younger catchers, uh, I think that could really help catcher development in some ways. So, you know, overall, I'm a pretty big fan of, of the pitch com. I know some teams don't use it. I really like it at the moment, though. It's interesting that you brought up pitchers calling games. Um I'd be, I'm interested to see how that would work just because, you know, when the pitch, when the catcher's behind the plate, he's able to kind of just cover his glove and, and punch in the numbers. The pitcher hasn't thrown a pitch yet. But for the pitcher, you know, let's say you have a guy on first base and you're punching in numbers. Maybe that guy on first, you know, sees you're distracted for a second calling a pitch and, and decides to take off. I don't know, you know, to what effect that would really have, but... I would be interested to see how it affects the pitcher within the game, especially with base runners on. Interested to see how that would look. Yeah, I think that was... I'm not sure what the exact logistics of that would be. We would have to see how that pans out. I think it'd be interesting, though. I think teams would definitely try and take advantage of it. Obviously, if you've been been watching opening week, um, another interesting uh, piece is that America's sweetheart Brett Phillips uh, got to go on the mound again. Uh, and made probably the play of the year. Seb, how are we we feeling about this? Well, I'll tell you one thing, Henry. I don't think I've ever seen a play that spectacular by a pitcher. There's been some good ones, but I don't think there's there's any type of athlete on the mound like Brett Phillips. <laughs> I mean, jokes aside, they were getting blown out, and at least they put Brett Phillips on the mound. You know, he's a fun guy to watch, even if he's not necessarily producing a lot. He did serve up a meatball and... and and got a grand slam absolutely blasted off of him by Sheldon Noisy. Um, and I thought it was funny, his reaction, when, when that bomb got hit off him. Uh, he just kind of, like, curled into a ball on the ground. 
but yeah, I, I, I think it's a lot of fun seeing Brett Phillips out there, whatever he's doing. I honestly, I know he's an outfielder, but I feel like Brett Phillips isn't an actual player on that roster. I, yeah, I think he just like hangs around with the team. And they let him pitch sometimes. Like I've never seen him start. Yeah, he's like, he's like the heart of that team. Like to me, he's the mascot. I know they and got a weird new maybe, like Ray mascot that I'm I'm not a fan of. A little bit creepy looking, but honestly, Brett Phillips is just the mascot at this point. Have they actually gotten a new mascot? He's awful. If if you're listening to this, uh, I implore you to look up the Rays' new mascot. He looks horrible. I actually didn't know about that. I haven't seen it. I'm going to have to search that up as well. I'm a big fan of DJ Kitty. I think that's a pretty cool mascot. Um, a DJ wearing a backwards... Uh, a cat, a man in a cat suit wearing a backwards hat, I think is very cool. They have another one called Stinger or like Raymond. I don't, I don't really know. What, no, Raymond's the, the name of the old one. He's weird as well. Stinger, I'm not a fan of, mainly just because he's wearing like normal baseball pants. It, it, I feel like we're getting sidetracked here. The point is, the Rays should abolish every mascot that isn't either DJ Kitty or Brett Phillips. I mean, I'm I'm good with that, as long as Brett Phillips is around. Uh, another interesting piece of news that has come out in the the last day or so is Frankie Montas. Obviously, the A's have been you know selling house uh, in the last few months. And Frankie Montas feels like really their last, you know, remaining established good player. Apparently, the White Sox, you know, according to multiple sources, including Bob Nightingale, uh, were very close to getting him. They don't want to get rid of Andrew Vaughn. It seems like. Uh, would you get rid of Vaughn for Montas here? I I I'd make that trade any day of the week. I mean, I can't assume that it would be a one for one. I think the White Sox would have to throw in a bit more. But you know, in Frankie Montas, you're getting a a number three starter at worst. I would say. Uh, and Andrew Vaughn, while he may be all right, um, I think there's so many good bats on that White Sox team that doesn't always fit into the lineup. And if he does, you know, he's one of the bottom guys in that order. I think, you know, I think many teams were in on Montas, but with the injury to Lucas Giolito just the other day, I think the White Sox are are are, are really pushing for it just because, you know, Giolito, their number two, you know, perhaps their ace being out they have to try and fill that void um and montas seems to be the most available guy in the market i don't know if i don't think the reds are are shopping their pitchers i'm not yeah, sure everything exactly we've seen doing, it looks but... like castillo and, and malia are, are there at least for the moment i don't know about the deadline but as of right now montas seems like the number one option that that's readily available and like for oakland i don't really see a reason why they wouldn't trade him i mean they've traded everybody at this point you know, they, they kind of went with the position players first, training guys away like Olsen and Chapman. And then, you know, just before the season starts, Manaya gets traded to, to San Diego. And I think that really cemented, like, Montas's departure. You know, they, sh- they showed that, you know, they're going to trade away starting pitching, good starting pitching. Uh, well, I think... In my opinion, Montas is better than, than Manaya. I think you see, like, Montas is this, like, young pitcher a lot too, but he's, like, 29. Like he's not super young anymore. There's not really any actual point in the in the A's keeping him. He's not going to be like a real part of of any core. I don't think that's going to really compete for anything for them. So you know you may as well get all the prospects you can. I don't know what they'd look for. I I think one interesting guy for them would be trying to get Garrett Crochet out of that. I I don't think that the White Sox would necessarily want to give him up. But if you can get Crochet out of that, I know obviously having TJ could lower his value, which could play into the White Sox. Uh, hand or could play into the A's hand there. I don't know how they feel about getting rid of him, but the the A's are pretty short on any good players right now. So 
getting rid of Montas feels like a no-brainer. And it, does Montas only have the one year left on his deal? Montas ha, is arbitration eligible after this season, and then has is a full free agent after twenty twenty four. I think another team, other teams so that we getting just, him, you're getting two years of of Montas, right? You're getting two years of Montas, yeah. I think other teams, you know, we've talked about this before, but the Yankees and Red Sox should absolutely be looking into Montas. Uh, the, the Red Sox in particular do not have a good enough rotation right now to to be competing in probably the best division in baseball. Um, I know they have some prospects. I think both those teams got to be hammering the hammering the phone to get you know Montas out of Oakland right now. Yeah, for sure. And I think the reason that Montes hasn't been traded yet is just because his market is really is really big. You know, almost every competitive team is going to be looking to add a an impact starting pitcher, and I'm sure Oakland is you know probably received some offers uh, looking at you know what is best for their organization in terms of of a return and you mentioned the Red Sox and the Yankees the obviously both teams in need of a of a starter perhaps but the Red Sox probably are better off in terms of what they can offer the A's uh just cuz the Yankees you know they've got a few top prospects but not as much depth within the organization and I'm not sure that they want to part with guys like Clark Schmidt or Davey Garcia, who've had their struggles recently, but who I'm sure they're still banking on. Yeah, I, I think just to, to sort of wrap up this whole Montas thing, we don't want to spend too much time on him, but you know, particularly the White Sox and especially the Yankees and Red Sox as well, these guys are like trying to win the World Series this year, and there's no point in keeping prospects for you know five years, two years, three years down the line uh, when you can try and win a World Series this season. I think, especially for the White Sox, you got to be looking at winning a World Series in 2022, uh, and whatever happens down the line happens. You know they they have some some young core there. They got you know Lou Bob is is pretty young. Uh, if Eloy can pick it up, he's young. Ta Seven isn't super old. Mancada's still pretty young, but like Abreu's old. Lynn is old. Gilio is is still reasonably young. But the point is, got to try and win the World Series this year. Montez helps that. I would be getting rid of pretty much any prospect to get him. Yeah, the American League. There's a lot of teams kind of that are competitive and on the rise and and the White Sox have been pretty good for a few years now and I don't want to say that their window's ending but like you said like it's go time now I think this is like the best chance for them I know like the Jays are seen as as a potential favorite and they could be good as well but certainly within their division like the expectation is is to win the division I don't really think many people have them not winning the division and you know if you if you can win the division and make it into the playoffs anybody's got a chance and Starting pitching is what gets it done, and uh, you know that's that's what wins World Series championships. And having a guy like him would certainly give them a better chance. Sticking with the team that we were just talking about with the Yankees, uh, obviously it just came out that they offered Aaron Judge a, a pretty substantial uh, seven-year deal at about twenty-eight, twenty-nine million a year that he turned down. Just for reference, Bryce Harper's thirteen million dollar deal that he signed with the Phillies was uh, twenty-five million a year, just just over that. I know Aaron Judge is really, really good. Like, arguably a top ten player in baseball. If I'm Aaron Judge, I'm taking that contract. Like, he's not that young anymore. He he's I th- is he thirty yet? He's gonna be turning thirty in April or May, I believe. Yeah, he turns thirty this month. You know, he's he's older than he's older than Bryce Harper, and Bryce Harper got his contract. This is his fourth season with the Phillies, and he was in in his time with the Nats, he was better than. 
than Aaron Judge. I know, obviously, you know the market increases every year. Teams are willing to spend more. But I feel like the, the contract you got to be looking at for comparison here is is a, a shorter term, maybe slightly higher AAV Harper, and that's exactly what this contract is. I don't know why Judge would turn this down. Yeah, I've had some time to think it over, and I, I totally agree with what you're saying. You know, Aaron Judge is going to be 31 next season, and this deal was a seven-year deal with a 30.5 AAV, which is, I mean, that would be, I think that's that would be like the second or third highest AAV for an outfielder, and I think age is, is the biggest thing. You know, most guys aren't 30, 31 when they hit free agency. Judge is going to be, and... You know he's not going to get a a ten year deal that would put him at age forty, and I you know I don't think teams are going to want to do that. And then there's the injury concern. Obviously, when Judge is on the field, he's great. There's no disputing that. But he's played two full seasons in his entire career. Even if he goes out and has a great season this year, I can't see somebody wanting to spend that much more than what the Yankees offered. It's possible he gets more, but I can't imagine it would be much more. You know, especially for the seven-year deal, the the thirty point five AAV is quite high, and well, I would say seven years is pretty long for a guy his age. I, I think, like you see some people saying, like he wants the trout deal, but like the fact of the matter is, like you're not trout, buddy. Like you're good. You're really, really good at baseball. Nobody's trout. But you're not going to get the money that trout's going to get. Just look at like Carlos Correa, platinum glove season, really great offensively, hits the market. He's getting thirty three annually over three seasons. If Judge is trying to get more than that over like seven years, that, that's that's kind of ridiculous. I don't think, you know, I think Aaron Judge again, really, really great, elite at the plate, really good defensively, really important for that franchise. They should be trying to lock him up. I I can't understand how he would turn down that offer. Yeah, I think the only way that Judge turns that contract down is one either he's looking for something really long in terms of years, something longer than seven, like eight to ten years. Or he's looking for some really, really juicy AAV. Like, you know, maybe he maybe he would take a seven-year deal if he was getting 35 AAV. And, you know, somebody might be willing to, to fork that over. Or, you know, I, I'm sure he understands that he's an older player hitting the market, but maybe still wants that long deal just to ensure that he can retire at the end of the contract. But those are, those are pretty much the only things. I mean... Obviously, he's looking for more, but I'm not sure if it's in terms of AEV, in terms of length. Probably both, to be honest. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I think one sort of interesting side thing that could come from this is if Aaron Judge gets more than $30 million a year, like what is Juan Soto going to get? Juan Soto is 23 and is better than Aaron Judge. Like, this guy could be getting like easily trout money if, if Aaron Judge gets that contract. Like, I can't even imagine the, the bag that. Juan Soto could secure if if he leaves the Nats like a team like the Dodgers, you know, would shell out like hundreds of millions of dollars to get him. So I think that's a bit of an interesting contract situation to watch over the next year or so. You know, I think he could even get more than Trout just because of his age. He's what twenty three. Is that, yeah, he's is that incredibly old? So. He's twenty three years old, and you know, if he's to get an extension from the Nats, if he was to get that, you know, relatively soon. I'm sure, like, the term on that would be insanely long, like, probably a, a Tatis-type length, but with that Trout-like AAV, perhaps even more. I mean, this guy's 23, and I think he's only getting better. You know, at the end of the year, he could be the consensus best hitter in baseball. 
I think right now it's close, but he's definitely a top. I would put him second behind Trout right now just because of Trout's track record, but he could be the best player in baseball after this year. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Getting back to opening day, opening weekend, though, uh, one man who's been going nuts is Buck Daddy. Is is, is the Buck Daddy breakout coming? Right now he's got a, a 30, 309 OPS+, plus, only man in the majors with three bombs. He's going kind of crazy. Is this the Buck Daddy season? Well, I'm not sure, to be honest. I mean, whenever Byron Buxton is on the field, he's elite. There's no question about that, and it's obviously, a, for him, a matter of staying on the field. So I'm not surprised that, that he's been really good to start the year, but can he stay healthy? That's the question, and I don't have an answer to that question. Uh, I think if he is able to, we're seeing a, an MVP candidate for sure here. Um, but, yeah, what do you think about it? Yeah, I think, again, if he's healthy, he's – He's an MVP candidate for sure. I think what's interesting about if he's healthy is like, how does that, what does that do for the Twins? Like, are the Twins division, or maybe not division, but are the Twins like wildcard contenders? If you get a full healthy season from Buxton, like if Correa plays well, if some of those arms, like Joe Ryan really breaks out, Bailey Ober breaks out, Sonny Gray continues pitching well, like, can you, can they make a playoff push if, if Buxton's healthy for the full season? Yeah, uh, I'm not quite sure if the Twins are a playoff team, even with Buxton. You know, obviously that offense is, is pretty good. And I do think that if Buxton is healthy for a full season, that certainly makes them better. But pitching is, is always the main concern with the Twins. And they've made some improvements. You know, acquiring Sonny Gray, um, the emergence of Joe Ryan, you know, what's he able to do? I just think that the depth isn't there. Uh, I know they just got Chris Paddock. You know, maybe there's some potential that they can tap into there. You know, and they traded away Taylor Rogers, So there's clearly a focus not just on pitching, but on starting pitching. Um, and I think the biggest thing with them is what can they get out of their guys? Because, you know, there's a couple good guys there, but really just getting what they can out of everybody, you know, even the guys, especially the guys at the bottom of the rotation. I think that is what is, you know, going to be able to take them over the edge if they're able to do that. Yeah, I think the main issue with the Twins wouldn't even be like, if they're actually any good or not, because honestly, this team could win like 85, 86, like that sort of range games. I just think the AL's really good right now. Like, there's obviously four really good teams in the AL East. I think the Guardians will, will be a little bit pesky this year. The Tigers could try and be sort of pesky. Um, the Astros are obviously really good, but like, I don't know, maybe the Rangers will sneak a few wins in there. Angels could be competitive. Obviously, like, they're not great, but they have arguably the two best players in baseball. So, you know, anything can kind of happen there. And, and like, you know, the Mariners, I think, will be real contenders. I, I, I don't... If you told me the Twins finished above 500, I wouldn't be shocked. If you told me they made the playoffs, I would definitely be surprised. Yeah, I mean, what they have going for them is is the division. You know, the White Sox are clearly the favorite. And like you said, I know the Tigers are... They could be fun. Same with the Guardians. But I still think that, in my eyes, the Twins are probably better than those two teams. And like you said, with the other teams, you know, like the Mariners, they're getting better. The Astros are still good. The Angels, you know, what are they trying to do? The AL East is is a monster besides the Orioles. And so there's just a lot of teams. With the extra wild card spot, it makes it interesting. Um, but I think there's just so many potential playoff contenders in the American League that it's going to be really tough for the Twins. Well, I think, you know, you, you talked about thinking the Twins are better than the Guardians. I think one thing that you might be forgetting is that the Twins actually don't have Stephen Kwan 
Um, I don't know if you really consider that. Obviously, Stephen Kwan leads the league in OPS plus with with 415. He's got uh, he's reached base uh, 15 times in his first uh, four games, which is a, an MLB record since at least 1901. I don't know. I think the you know foolish baseball had Stephen Kwan in his uh, hitters he likes this year. So obviously, you know this is a guy that some people thought could be good, but I think the the Guardians could be like sneaky competitive this year. Obviously, extending Jerem is massive. You know, we both definitely think he's the best third baseman in baseball. Really would have loved him to come to Toronto, but that didn't work out. Stephen Kwan obviously going crazy. Uh, Miles Straw, not an awesome hitter, but really good defensively. Oscar Mercado could, you know, do something. Uh, the Franimal, pretty solid. Uh, Ahmed Rosario had a good end to the season with them last year, and then obviously it really hedges on the, the young rotation with, like, Bieber, Quantrill, Plesak, Savale, like, I don't know. I kind of like what they've got going on. I forgot Tristan McKenzie there too. Like these are they they've got some good players. I wouldn't count on them making the playoffs. In fact, I don't think they will make the playoffs. I think, you know, at best they're like the 8 seed, you know, a few spots out. I think they could be sneaky good though, and I kind of like them as a as a, you know, dark horse pick to make the playoffs if you're if you're putting any money on it. I think the interesting thing with the Guardians is there's always a chance for them to win with with the pitching that they have it's young but they do a great job at developing it not just in the rotation but in the bullpen as well you know with Emmanuel Classe kind of emerging as as one of MLB's best young relievers best relievers period and you know the offense isn't spectacular but like you said there's J-Ram there's some guys there and you know with Stephen Kwan I, I don't know it I think he's just off to a hot start. There's always a few guys that come out of nowhere and and get really hot, and that's the thing. It's baseball. You know, people are gonna go on a hot streak, a cold streak. Can't expect him to keep getting on base at this rate. It's just, just people don't do that. Yeah, well, you saw this with the year last year as well. Um, As long as Tony, yeah, there's always there's always a guy like that, and and you root for those guys because. You know they're kind of like the underdog, and they just come up out of nowhere, and it, and it's exciting, you know, especially on a team like Cleveland. You know they don't have too much offense, but I don't really know how much of an impact he's going to make. He could be a really cool like player of the month card, and that will be the show for April. That could be exciting, but I don't think he's like the like the next superstar. No, I don't think he's the next superstar. Like that. It's been it's, a, it's been I think it's a fun game week. No, no, I know you're not saying that. But I know that, like, other people, you know, if they – people may jump to conclusions. And, and baseball, you have to keep a level head because guys are going to pop off and guys are going to suck. And so you just well, have yeah. to it's obviously these things with a grain of salt. important to remember that there are 162 games in the season and we've only played four. That being said, uh, I think one team we can be pretty excited about, obviously, as fans of theirs, uh, the Jays' offense has looked kind of insane. How do you feel about it? Well, I'm super excited for the Jays' offense. Um, I think it was really good last year, and I think it's going to be better this year. I know they lost Semyon on the offensive side, uh, but I think the lineup is more complete. You know, the young stars of, of Vladdy and Bo having a full season under the their belt where they performed really well. Uh, I think what doesn't get talked enough uh, uh, talked enough about is a healthy George Springer. What's George Springer for 162 games? I mean, he hit 22 home runs in 80 games last year, which is absolutely absurd. 
and you know towards the end of his time with the Astros he was absolutely insane if you have that guy leading off every day you know bad things are going to happen to the other team uh I was just watching the game yesterday uh between the Jays and the Yankees uh Jays won three nothing over the Yankees and George Springer drove in all the runs he had a double a home run and a single I think I think he is is an underrated part of that offense it's hard calling him underrated but he adds a whole other dimension to the team yeah, I don't have the exact players off the top of my head, but since 2019, um, George Springer has a 147 OPS plus, which is a really, really exclusive group of guys. Like this is a really, really good hitter. You throw that into a deadly lineup, Vladdy, Obviously, I would say generally considered the best hitter in the in the AL. Uh, Bo, Teo. I mean, this is like an exciting, exciting team. Uh, in again, probably the toughest division in baseball. All, however, though, like we were saying earlier, there. Rotation has really struggled at the start of the season, um, except for Alec Manoa, who pitched six scoreless against the Yankees in the game you were talking about. What do we think about you know, the guys in the Jays' rotation, and, and who do you think their aces this season? Well, I think the interesting thing is there is no one ace guy. Not yet, anyways. And, you know, at some point there probably will be somebody that emerges, but I think, you know, Manoa, Ryu, Gosman, Barrios, Kikuchi... I don't know exactly what to expect from all of those guys, but there's a world where one of like every one of those five guys is the ace of this staff. I know Barrios wasn't great, Gosman was okay, and Ryu wasn't that great towards the end of all of their first starts, and you know Manoa was exceptional the other night. I know you're really high on Alec Manoa. I do think that he has the ability to to lead this rotation. I think yesterday he showed that he was really really able to locate the fastball well. He was able to put it on the corner, get ahead with it. His changeup looked nice, a pitch that he's been trying to develop. And I think he's a guy known for his slider, and I don't think he used his slider as much as he normally did last night. Uh, if you're adding, you know, if he's able to get the job done with his fastball and changeup and not even rely on the slider that much, and you put all three of those pitches together, I think we're looking at a legit Cy Young contender. Yeah, like you said, I'm super high on Manoa. Uh, I think he's really has the potential to be one of the better pitchers in the league this year. All right, obviously, like we've like we've been discussing, baseball has started, but once again, Michael Conforto is still you know unsigned. Uh, this does not really happen very often. Uh, I'm not really sure what to make of it. There haven't been a whole ton of reports coming out lately. What do you think the deal is with Conforto right now, and you know where do you think he could end up? Well, it's certainly a strange situation. I did see a report saying that he had injured himself in the off season and was kind of getting back to 100%. So maybe, you know, it's possible that he didn't want to sign a contract early on uh, in the off season just because he wasn't at 100%, you know, probably wanted to clear his physical and perhaps is waiting until he can get in a better spot, then talk to the teams and, and, and show that, that he is in good health and in good position. Yeah, you know, two fan bases, you know, we've already sort of touched on, but two fan bases that I've I've really seen uh, pushing to get Conforto are the Yankees and the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox are kind of an interesting one because, you know, they got Jackie Riley Jr., right, who he's been with the team for a long time. Obviously, he wasn't there last year, but he's like a vet with the team, really good defensively. He's really, really bad offensively at this point in his career, though, and I do not think he's like 
a serviceable starter on an MLB team right now. I think he'd be a pretty interesting one there. And then for the Yankees, you know, Yankees fans love talking about how they don't have left-handed batters. They love getting random lefties thrown in the lineup for no reason. What do you think about either of those teams? Well, I'm... I think Conforto would fit well on both of those teams, but I don't know that he's the priority for both of those teams. I think starting pitching is the priority for the Yankees and the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox also have to focus on their bullpen a bit. I think the Yankees have a have a strong enough bullpen to where they don't really have to worry about it too much. I mean, they could add a guy, but there's a lot of bats in those teams. And, you know, the thing you're saying about, oh, they don't have a lot of lefties, the Yankees, I mean, they re-signed Rizzo. They've got Gallo now. Aaron Hicks is healthy. I know he's a switch hitter, but I'm going to count him as, as a lefty. I really don't think that's an issue for them. And they have right-handed hitters that can hit right-handed pitching, kind of like the Jays. The Jays don't have much, many left-handed hitters. I'm kind of getting carried away here. Uh, but, I, yeah, I, th- I do think Conforto would be a good fit on those teams. I think there are other teams, though, that you know could be in the mix, you know, the Rangers, I, you know, they spent big this offseason, but, you know, are they still trying to get a guy like that? I, Again, they need pitching as well. The Padres, that has always felt like a team that would be a good fit. But, yeah, I think there's I think there's a lot of potential suitors. It's just the question of, like, how badly do these teams really want Michael Conforto? Like, do they need him? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think just to sort of wrap up on Conforto, like we were talking about with the Guardians earlier, I think they're a team that should really, really look into him. Um, allegedly, like sort of recently, they've, they've been interested in him. I'm not sure how much credence there is to that report. But I think, like we were saying, they've got a, got some good young pitching. They do have some like decent bats, but their offense is a little bit barren. I think they're the type of team that should be looking into him. Really, any team that doesn't have a full roster already, there's no such thing as too many good players. I know Conforto really struggled last year, but if you're a team that has some money to spend looking to improve your team, you got to go after him. There's no reason not to. Yeah, I think the the Guardians. I hadn't kind of hadn't really thought about it, um, but that definitely feels like a, a a good fit, especially since pitching is the one thing that they they really do have. For them, it, for them, it's just a matter of are they going to pay the guy? I mean, they just extended J Ram, which was by far the longest contract that they'd ever given out. I think the next highest, the the next most expensive contract was, I think it was sixty million to Edwin Encarnacion, which I mean, that's not very much, you know, in terms of your team's history. But they don't have a lot of money on the books, and and they're definitely, they're definitely capable of paying him. And so, I think ideally he probably fits that team the best, just because he can provide something that maybe they don't have much of. All right, that's about all we have for this episode. Uh, Thank you very much for listening to the first ever episode of Base Calls. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Base Calls Pod, and we will see you for the next episode. Fear the Crone Zone.